from Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. What are the qualities and attributes that other people associate with you? What is your brand? Today on episode 48 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Elizabeth Borelli. Elizabeth made a number of pivots in her own career before becoming a career coach where she helps high-achieving professionals achieve a successful transition following a late career termination. Even if you've had a successful career as a professional in a corporation, it doesn't mean that you'll get your new consulting business to generate a lot of income right out of the gate. In this episode, we discuss how to get your own consulting business off the ground quickly. There are lots of important tips that you'll want to hear. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, or if you know someone who would, please get in touch with me via our website at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Elizabeth Borelli. As the founder of Next Career Coaching, Elizabeth has remained a top-ranked career counselor for multinational talent conglomerate Lee Hecht Harrison since 2016. She leverages a BA in psychology and ICF coaching credential with multiple accreditations to help her clients find their niche, build their brand, and reach their business goals. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited that you're on. Let's talk a little bit about your own career journey first. What's some background that kind of takes us up to what you're doing now? Thanks for asking. Well, I've had a very windy road to coaching. And again, you mentioned my BA in psychology. So I left college thinking I would do something related to psychology. But as I explored my career options, I got really interested in marketing. And so that's where I ended up working. I moved from my my home in Connecticut to Silicon Valley and took that plunge and became employed in at Cisco, the Fortune 500 company in the marketing department, did that for a while, and then realized I wanted to do something that had more of a sense of purpose and kind of really did relate back to my interest in psychology, my interest in helping people. I ended up after that doing a completely different pivot and starting an online business. I wanted to have more flexibility in my schedule. I had children and wanted to be able to, uh, you know, spend a lot of time with them. So of course, as we, any of you know, that have started your own business, starting a business is not necessarily the way to get more time and flexibility. It actually is a way to be more accountable to your work rather than your personal self. So for those of you experiencing those boundary challenges, I definitely felt those and then realized that that was too all-consuming. Having a business at home, I had an online retail store and the shipping and the marketing, and I had employees by that time. So it was so all-consuming. I ended up selling that business and then re- entered the world of marketing, yet at this point realized that I wanted to work for a more purpose-driven, enter a more purpose-driven role and started doing some wellness, employee wellness coaching. So still my own business and as an independent consultant, 
used my marketing background to pivot into this new role, got the certifications necessary, and was on my way with workplace wellness. So at that time, I was fulfilling this, uh, you know, sort of purpose-driven role. And as an independent consultant, the challenge I ran into there was the challenge that so many consultants that I now work with deal with is generating the business. So generating the business, building the business development piece, and then doing the business at the same time. So that was a big challenge. So when I was offered a job at Lee Heck Terrison, which is where I now work in 2016, I was introduced through my network to a hiring manager at LHH. They liked my coaching background. They liked my marketing background. And I, I accepted this position that I'm now doing, which is helping people who are in a transition place to find their next role. So that's a, a long story. And it, there, there's a lot of backstory there, but hopefully that condensed it nicely into a little nutshell. <laughs> yeah, no. And Elizabeth, what what have you learned about pivots? Well, I've learned that they take a lot of time. So once my advice is every time, you know, someone pivots and they think, okay, I'm going to enter this new career. And in order to do that, I need a bunch of certifications and I need a website and I need a logo and I need, you know, all this marketing material. And so really it's a lot of, there's a lot of financial investment that is really tempting to, you know, put in as soon as you make that as soon as you make that decision, you want to legitimize it with all of this collateral or materials or, you know, branding, but you really need to test the water before you invest a lot of money. It takes a lot of time to ramp up and too many times people invest all this money initially at the onset and then you know, it takes two to three years to build a a solid consulting practice or a business, whatever kind of business you're doing. And by that time, sometimes people realize, like I did when I was doing my wellness business, that this isn't sustainable. It's the part of the business or the part of the role that you like doing is too subsumed in all of the other requirements to make it sustainable for you. So my suggestion is definitely ramp up first. I guess uh, the it's minimum viable product. So that whole idea of just do the minimum that you can to get by. Use LinkedIn if you need to as your web page. Uh, you know, create your own logo. Do things that you get the things that you need to have to be successful. Don't invest everything you have from the get-go. Right. Try to get the, that first sale as quickly as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. So now what are the ideal characteristics of the person or people you serve most? Well, yeah. So because I work for an agency, I work with people who are laid off for non-performance reasons. So a lot of times there's downsizing or reworks or outsourcing. And unfortunately, most of the people I end up working with, although it could be anyone, most of them are more senior level. And a lot of times they are more toward the end of their career. So they're often in their 50s and 60s. And they were planning on working for five to 10 more years and then retiring. But now here they are finding themselves starting over again in many cases and looking for a new role. 
And what do you find they struggle with the most? Often it's where do they want to go next? So if you were at HP for 20 years and you suddenly find yourself looking for a job, the thought of going back into one of those Fortune 500 roles or, you know, a big corporation and starting from scratch isn't really that appealing most of the time. And by by the time they've been at those roles for a long time, they have a lot of knowledge and expertise. So they want to contribute. They want to give back. And they're looking for a place to be able to do that. So people at that point usually start thinking of startups. They think of nonprofits and they think of consulting many times. And what do you find helps them get that first sale quicker? Working their network. So as soon as someone knows that they're going to be leaving their job or shortly after, if they don't have any notice, then reconnecting with their network, having those conversations, learning, if you can, not only what you know you did well based on your job title and your experience, but what other people think you do well. Like what are those, what are the qualities and attributes that other people associate with you? What is your brand? Because a lot of times it might not be what we think. We don't necessarily view ourselves the way other people view us. How much difference does it make what the reason was that caused them to be terminated in terms of their ability to move forward? Yeah. So I don't think it matters. I think that if you have the skills and experience, it really doesn't matter why you left your last role, especially if you're looking for a new role. So again, these people are usually let go for non-performance. I mean, for reasons not related to their performance. Sometimes their position is outsourced or the company reorgs. Again, they may not let the top performers go. So so there could be some underlying reasons that aren't presented to the person being laid off. But in general, it's it's couched as reorg or downsizing. Mm-hmm. So let, let's take the case of that person who may have worked for a company like HP for 20 years, who's mm-hmm. high, highly skilled and and wants to still work in the same field and wants to start a consulting business. What kinds of steps do you find help them make that that pivot or that transition as smoothly as and as quickly as possible? Well, I can speak to that uh, based on a woman that I'm working with right now. And what she did was her expertise was in marketing, streamlining marketing processes. So she left HP and immediately started thinking about consulting, not because necessarily she would have thought of it, but because her former manager was at a new company and said, we would love to have you contribute to, uh, you know, we could use your help essentially was, was what the woman said. And so she, this woman that I'm working with quickly got uh, her consulting. She set herself up as a consultant. She went through all the processes you need to do to set yourself up. She did that. And she's already working in this new organization. And this all happened very quickly. So I think while you are just still fresh in the minds of the people that you worked with, reaching out to your network as much as possible, especially people that were in decision-making 
roles that moved into other organizations. So just like you would if you were looking for a job, you would connect to your network, not necessarily the people you worked with who are still at your former organization, although you do want to connect with those people as well. But I would prioritize connecting with people that are former colleagues or managers that are working in new organizations and letting them know of your interest in consulting. And especially right now, because with COVID going on and the fact that a lot of companies are reluctant to you know, open new recs for new hiring recs, they definitely still have work that needs to be done. And so project-based work right now is actually rising as opposed to full-time employment, which is not. Mm -hmm. So when you reach out to these people in your network, what are some of the things you should be saying to them? Well, first of all, you want to reach out to see how they're doing and check in with them and reconnect. So I think the mistake a lot of people make is they, you know, ask for a proposal before going on a first date. So you want to make sure that you're reaching out from a place of just establishing a connection and rebuilding that relationship or reestablishing that relationship before just reaching out and letting them know you're looking for a job or looking for a consultant gig. So what you want to do is kind of use the informational interview process where you reconnect, start a conversation, see if you can set up 15 minutes for a call or a Zoom conversation to just hear about them, what they're doing, how they're doing in their new role, what needs their company might have. So just, you know, this is kind of investigating at this point whether or not you've got something to offer. Because what the, the first thing you need to do in any of these conversations is address the need, the, the pressing problem that you can solve. Then, pe- then you'll have their interest. Mm, okay. And any thoughts about how to go from um, the, the how you are doing to getting into the, the real meat of learning what kind of pressing needs there may be? Absolutely. So first, you're going to connect with them on LinkedIn. Hey, Jane, how are you? Just wanted to reconnect and see how you're doing. Jane replies, fine, great. How are you? And then you say, you know, I'm at in a career transition stage right now, or I'm exploring some options right now. I'd love to learn more. I'm really interested in the work your organization is doing. I'd love to learn more about it. Do you have 15 minutes next week to schedule a call or a Zoom conversation? And at that point, the person will either say yes or no, but a lot of the times they'll say yes. And I found that now people are more receptive to those conversations than they normally are. Now people have a little bit of extra time. They're being more compassionate. They're being more helpful. Jane is probably going to suspect that you're looking for a job and she'll probably want to help. So assuming that you had even a very surface level relationship with this person as somebody you worked with. So they knew you and they may just know you from the water cooler. That's still enough for them to want to help, especially now. And so that would be, you know, the way to bridge that gap from how are you to can, I'm interested in the work your company is doing or you're doing. Do you have time for a conversation? 
And and what are some of the things you should not do because it might be seen as being too pushy, too aggressive, or too much about you, the person who's looking for work, versus them, the person you're checking in to see how they're doing? Exactly. Always want to keep the focus on them because if you too quickly say, I want to talk to you about this great idea I have of how I can help XYZ Corporation, they're going to hear this person's looking for a job. I don't want to be put in an awkward position. So I'm going to say no. So you you don't want to put them in a position where they feel like they're going to be asked some a direct, asked for a direct yes or no response. Like, can you get me a job? Can you share this with the decision maker? Can you introduce me to the CEO, whatever it is, or the, the recruiter or whoever the decision maker is in that situation? You don't want to ask that. You want to only ask ask open-ended questions. Ask about them. Ask about the company. Ask about the role. Ask what they love about their job. Ask some of the challenges they're experiencing. Because again, we want to find out what is that pressing problem that they have that you may be able to solve. And if they say, you know, so so the conversation's going, it's about them. What are some of the biggest challenges they're facing? You hear those things. And then at the end of the conversation, it gives you the opportunity to say, wow, thank you. This is this has been super helpful. And now that I understand some of the challenges, I, you know, I, I think I may be able to help address some of those. So I would love to. So who could I speak to in your organization that may be interested in hearing more about how I can I can help? And so from there, the person's either going to say, well, you know, I'd like to hear more about how you can help, or hmm, maybe I can introduce you to Tina, who is the decision maker for marketing that I think would be interested in what you're doing. Yeah, I love the suggestion, avoid asking them direct yes or no answers that that they may feel is putting them on the spot. Right. And if they're put on the spot... The old saying I always go back to is a confused mind always says no. So if they're put on the spot, they don't even know what you're doing at that point. They're just going to say no. Yeah. And Elizabeth, when if you do get introduced to a second level connection, like the one you just suggested, where they're mm-hmm. int- introducing you to a decision maker about an issue, what guidance do you have about how to begin that conversation? So if you're introduced to a decision maker, a decision maker, it has so much going on normally and especially right now. So the best advice is to be as absolutely clear in your value proposition as possible. So make it crystal clear when that person looks at your LinkedIn profile, because if this is being done on LinkedIn, that's the first place they're going to look. So they look at your LinkedIn profile and it's very clear and obvious to them the problems you solve and how you can help them and why you're a great fit for their organization. You know, let's say you sort of run down your list of people that are your close connections, Who like, like who's in your network. And you say, okay, I have, let's say, 20 to 30 people that are, that really know my work well. They're in a good place for me to be able to check in with them, see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. They may be able to be helpful, maybe not. But th- at some point, you're going to need to go beyond those 20 to 30 people. What are some ways that you can expand these conversations and, and reach some additional people? 
Right. Well, always through your referral network and referrals are the number one way to build your business. So it doesn't have to be people, you know, it could be first degree connections and then asking to be referred to second degree connections, but being really clear about the value proposition and the kind of companies that you want to be introduced to. So these first degree connections are able to help you. And by looking, and you can really easily tell who the, your first degree connections are connected with and look at those, their connections. So hopefully this isn't getting too confusing with the connections, but on LinkedIn, you have the opportunity to see who your connections are connected with and check out that list and identify who the people you would like to be introduced to are. And then you can ask them to make those introductions. And a referral is always going to be so much more credible than someone you just connected with out of the blue. Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. Elizabeth, given the fact that we're in the midst of this major disruption in our world, we have a health crisis, we have an economic crisis. Um, there are lots of other crises that are related to all of this. What else do you think is important, particularly if you're trying to go from using a termination as an opportunity to build a new business, particularly a consulting business? Connection is always the number one thing. So connecting with any kind of community groups that are still active online that you can connect with remotely. So, you know, meetup groups, industry specific meetups or organizations, a lot of them are still hosting their uh, meetings online. Toastmasters, professional organizations. I find that the more you connect, the more conversations you have, the more likely you're going to be to be connected or referred into new business. Elizabeth, if someone wants to go deeper with anything that we've discussed today or learn more, access any resources you have, where would they go? They could go to nextcareercoaching.com. And I do have a free gift available for your listeners. And what's the gift and where would they access it? The gift is a complimentary coaching session to hear more about your business or your goals and to see whether I can help you through my coaching practices. Uh, They can find it on nextcareercoaching.com slash gift. Great. Thanks so much. Elizabeth, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo and share your insights. My guest today has been the founder of Next Career Coaching, Elizabeth Borelli. Thank you again, Elizabeth, for joining us. Thank you, David, for the opportunity. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to get your consulting business off the ground quickly and much more. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, or if you know someone who would, please get in touch with me via our website at smashingtheplateau.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a late career job loss. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.